This is the one with Dr. No. A sea spiracy. A brain forest. A blackout outback of an outback hideout shack. And a vor hiding in plain sight. It's called Spyfall Part 1. Here we go. <laughs> Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel sound. Dalek Cyber Zood and wow. Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Hello, podcast land, and welcome to, oh, holy moly, another undoubtedly legendary episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Pass. (laughs) All right, you are. (laughs) This one is going to be double O awesome. (laughs) That's right. I am Leon, and the other voice that you heard just a moment ago, the the proprietor of said voice, is sitting across from me at this very table, sharing a room in actual physical space with me. It's Drew. Hello, Drew. I was hoping you'd say when. Drew back when. (laughs) Yes, yes, you got me. Fine. You can do that for part two. (laughs) (laughs) You're in for a treat, dear podcast land, because today we are quote-unquote properly reviewing an episode that we have once discussed before on Who Back When. We're talking about Spyfall. In this episode, we are only discussing part one, and uh, immediately following this episode recording, we will be recording our entirely separate review of part two, which uh, will drop approximately two weeks later. Yeah, you'll have to get there the long way around. But please do head on over to Who Back When and have a listen to our previous Spyfall review. Do you know what that happens to be? B065. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Has your opinion changed since then, Drew? I seem to remember disavowing any concrete opinions the first time around because it was very instant reaction. In fact, we had all four of us, you, me, Jim, and Marie, we'd all just watched part two together in Jim and Marie's house. That's right. I remember it very well. It was such a blur and such a torrent of happenings and exposition and information and mysteries set up for later in the series that I was like, no, I need time to reflect and gather my thoughts. So now you have had time to reflect and gather your thoughts <laughs> I see where this is going <laughs> I mean it, it's somewhere in the middle okay yeah I mean same yeah. <laughs> oh good <laughs> I will start to deal in specifics, I promise. In the meantime, before we get into the nitty-gritty, before we go undercover with this episode, (laughs) Drew, how do you feel about Beescow? Oh, I've been expecting you to say that. (laughs) Let's. (laughs) Podcast land, he was stroking an imaginary cat as he said that. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview, this free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. As secret agents all over the world are having their DNA reformatted, C, head of MI6, has the 13th Doctor and Team TARDIS brought in to investigate. Doc, after all, is the only person who knows anything about any of this. Alas, Doc can't really do anything without Fox Mulder wannabe O, who, after all, is the only person who knows anything about any of this. Thus, after a brief briefing from C, she loops in O, and that's really when the proverbial hits the fam. 
In California, meanwhile, Daniel Barton, a former spy himself, and now the CEO of Vor, giant conglomerate. And what would happen if Google, Apple, Amazon Web Services, and BritBox had a transporter accident? Might be being nefarious. Doc naturally dispatches her most cunning agents, Yaz and Ryan, to Snoop. Might they uncover an alien invasion plot? Is Barton somehow involved? Might O not be who he says he is, even though we've never, ever heard of him before? Yes, the answer to all of that is yes. Be scout over. You are welcome. (laughs) Fantastic music cue. Let's at the very least put a pin in this. I want to hear all of your opinions on the music in this episode, Drew. I'll give you them right now. Let's hear them. The only music worth hearing for me was when it cleaved as close to Bond themes as legally permissible. So well. Oh, yeah. In particular, the the walk-up to the party. Yes. That theme is basically the 007 theme. (laughs) Yeah, where it's just showing a helicopter shot around the exterior of the house, and we don't need to see the exterior of the house, but we just want to listen to that theme play out for another few bars. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care where any of the characters are at this point. Just just give me this. On that note, uh, <laughs> was this episode's slash double feature, we'll get to part two separately, but was this episode's sufficiently Bondian, not Bondian enough, or so Bondian it ceased to be who? Well, I'll tell you what. I have been promising you for months now that I will stop watching every episode twice. Because it means that I write too many notes and our episodes run way too long. Uh So I watched this double feature on Thursday and was going to come here tonight, Monday, four days later, a mere four days later. And I thought back and I couldn't remember any of it because Hmm. it essentially just all became in my mind a rather mediocre morass of Bond homages that didn't stick in my mind as anything distinctively Doctor Whovian, which otherwise would have. I think. I was like, oh, I remember them going to the party because that's a Bond theme and I sort of remember the Outback Stakeout, but nothing stuck in my mind with any specificity or detail whatsoever. It was just like, it's the Bond pastiche. I know as much four days after having watched it as I did before I watched it. I know exactly where you're coming from because also, shortly before you arrived, I had to go to TARDIS Wikia and just look up some facts. Yeah. Like, there, there were bits, and I watched part one yesterday Today. Okay. Part two uh, this morning. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is quite an undertaking, this full two hours of yeah. Doctor Who. Should note that these episodes are ten minutes longer than the usual. They are an hour They're each. A, yeah, as Bond pastiches, though. Yes. I have to applaud them. Uh-huh. Most TV shows, most long-running TV shows, at some point, they'll deviate and have, like, little tangent-themed episodes. Like, oh, even Star Trek went to Wild West Planet at some point. Or, like, at some point... Of course point, it did. So did Red Dwarf. Yeah, most of these serials, series will have an episode that is, let's call it, the James Bond I mean, The Prisoner had a Western episode, didn't it? And The Prisoner is a freaking James Bond series. Oh, of course <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, most most shows have at some point deviated and tried something different. Yeah. And of all the ones that at some point have tried a Secret Agent episode, where like the, the main cast, oh, you now see them out of their element, now they have to do something Secret Agent-y. And for one week only, that same production crew has to create something that is ostensibly, at least has sort of the look and feel of a Bond movie, Mm -hmm. it always ends up looking like, shit, this looks like a Bond movie. Yeah. Most of those Bond scenes are, I want to be clear about this, utter garbage. But... 
but they look so authentic. Yes, I made multiple notes of, <laughs> damn, is this glossy. Yeah, oh, this, <laughs> oh, wow, the, walking into a casino, is anything, no, nothing's going to happen here. <laughs> oh, oh, but the doctor playing Snap. snap. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. That's almost like playing Yahtzee when you're should be, you should be playing chess. In a, <laughs> oh, indeed. Oh, yeah, so people might know what that means at some point in the future. <laughs> I really did want to credit Chris Chibnall and everyone who did his bidding on uh-huh. this episode for all the fun elements that this Bond pastiche brought to it. I, yeah, I really did like the energy and the clear love and attention and diligence that went into it. It was worth doing. It, yeah. Like you say, it, it wasn't that Bond thing that we brush under the carpet. This was really fun. I completely agree with you. And it managed to be very Bondy and also 100% Doctor Who at the same time. So it it was additive, I think, rather than subtractive. Are you disagreeing with me with that face? Leon has a look of, how do I break it to him? How wrong he is. No, the thing is, I agree with you. It's just, I think the Bond element of it is appearances only. I feel like it it actually turns out Chibbers can't write a spy thriller. Like, he just can't. However, this episode or this double feature shows that maybe if he clenches really hard, he he (laughs) can squeeze out a Doctor Who story that's, like, actually very Mm Who-y. Ah, yeah. Because there are so many sides of this that just felt a nice. Yes, this these are the right implementations of the right tropes that we have been missing for a long time. Or at least that I've been missing for a long time. That the absence of which have made this show feel less like what I'm accustomed to. And like it does a great job of it. All these little bits of teaming up with oh maybe I'm maybe I'm actually thinking of part two now, but like all all these little bits leading up to the master and everything that then happens with the master later on and having little side adventures with historical figures, this is all part two, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but most of the Bond stuff does come in part one. So I, I guess part one and Spyfall, you, it's called Spyfall. You have to lead with it. You have to hit the viewer with, wow, this, was, this wasn't a homeopathic dose of Bond. This was a full night between the sheets with 0013. 0013? That doesn't... Well, maybe if there are a thousand, you can't tell me how many O's there should or shouldn't be. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leon, Leon, save me. <laughs> That is true, yeah. So maybe most of the exposition is the the secret agenty stuff, and then part two is most of the Whovian stuff where we've just established that this is a world in which secret agency stuff happens. Yeah. Actually, with that in mind, part two, shit Bond movie. Like, there's almost no Bond stuff happening in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's where they... But add, great, great Whovian. It's where they try to add time as an extra spycraft dimension. Maybe it doesn't quite pay off, but you'll hear that in a Fortnite podcast land. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Can I divert us slightly? Sure, yeah, go for it. To some of the national treasures star-studding the cast this week. Oh, more than one? Go for it. Well, first of whom, yeah. Prince Among Men. Yes. Stephen Fry. Of course. We all know who he is. Happy Prince Among Men. <laughs> yes? Well, wait. Oh, he was not Oscar in... Wilde. Yeah, because Oscar Wilde, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who Stephen Fry is, but a full list of his credits is still an awe-inspiring thing. He's been in The Young Ones, Blackadder, a bit of Fry and Laurie, obviously. Jeeves of Jeeves and Worcester, Spice World, Gosford Park. He did a great turn in Viva Vendetta. Oh. You seen that one? Yes, he gets murdered for having a sex dungeon. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's Colonel... It really put me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no revolutions from you. Thanks very much. <laughs> 
on the not on the day of the Queen's funeral. How disrespectful! He was Colonel K in the <laughs> rebooted Danger Mouse. He was. Uh-huh. He's been in the new Sandman series. Yes, yes. He was in absolute power on both TV and radio. The first Never. What? Wait. There's a radio version of that. That's where I, it came from. I had no idea. I, I watched the TV show and loved it and thought it was cancelled far too soon. Oh, yeah. Well, there's much more of it on radio. Right. Well, that's happening. Yep. Okay. Did Goes Land, if there's a short hiatus and who back when for a while, <laughs> it's because of absolute power. <laughs> Did I mention the first 13 series of Q? No. And, <laughs> and last of all, he apparently he played the head of MI5 in The Simpsons last year. That's pretty fantastic. He also played the head of MI6, Control, in a series series of skits on a bit of Fry and Laurie. Oh, cool. And I'm assuming C stands for control. I thought it was chief, but I could be wrong. Oh, maybe. Yeah. He also has a prior Doctor Who connection. All right, let's hear it. He played the Minister of Chance in Death Comes to Time. Oh, y- yes, that's right. I saw this on IMDb just the other day, actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Nice. We have to review that. Uh, dude, yeah, it's in the calendar. Yep. It's in the calendar. Great. You're going to hear it, Podcast Land. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, after all that, that giant paragraph, that resume of Stephen Fry's manifold achievements, plus documentaries on mental health and everything that's important to him... This is what you do with him. Yeah, you shoot him in the back of the head within five minutes. Yep. Yep. And you fuck off out of his office. Yep. And that's the last you see of MI6 for the whole two parts. That's right. For me, is where it fails the Bond template the worst, to most to the detriment of the episode. Yeah, I mean, in. I don't know if I need to spoil Skyfall, but I mean, a similar thing happens in that one. And people maybe treat this with a little bit more veneration, a little bit more gravitas. Yeah. 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 And Stephen Fry has... He's... No one's even looking for them. No one's like, wait, hang on. You were in the office when he got shot. <laughs> you might... We might need to interrogate you. <laughs> MI6 is basically useless after he's been shot. Yeah. So as an organization, we have historically been suspicious of aliens. And the second C brings an aliens into his office, he gets shot with some alien laser device. That's but right. You are resident alien. No further questions. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we were just saying this by way of exposition because we need to say everything that's happened in our lives to date, as mandated by the higher C, the, <laughs> the double C. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. When he dies. Yes. When he gets shot, mm. his last word... Sorry, this is literally the note that I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah. His last word, or lo- last sound, his was... Utterance. Was, oh, someone... Maybe it's even an answer to a question. Is he not asked something like, wait, hang on, who do you think is behind all of this? And he goes, oh, and then he dies. Yeah, yeah, that, that to, set she, up like that. Yeah, yes. cut to, she goes and sees, oh, I, I don't... I mean, I, obviously I remembered where this was heading, mm-hmm. but this seemed so obvious now... Back then, in 2020, I did not see it. Well, it's less I didn't ob- catch it. It's less obvious because they've been talking about O for minutes, and not once has he come up as a potential suspect or suspicious in any way. Hmm. So for Stephen Fry to use his last exhalation to steer them in that direction, no, that's not what's actually happening. That's just Chippers being like, yeah, I know something you don't know. <laughs> Except Chippers never laughs. So just be like, I know something you don't know. Oh, yeah. That, that sounds like Chippers. Soon you'll be as sad as I am. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the word gravitas. Stephen Fry has been brought in to lend his jowly gravitas to this role and this very short, yeah. too short, too brief briefing sequence. I totally agree. And and so they undercut it massively by a not having a Q character. 
Yeah, I mean, basically, well, C kind of takes on the role of Q because he's the one who hands them the gadgets. Yeah, yeah. This is my seat case or whatever. And <laughs> no, don't cut that. I want people to know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's in <laughs> warts and all podcast land. <laughs> they do exactly the same thing here that they did with GCHQ in resolution which is i looked up the staffing levels of both organizations because this annoyed me so much gchq over five thousand five hundred people work at that place in cheltenham that's crazy where wait that's crazy well it's a huge donor it is the uk equivalent of the pentagon that's a lot of people it is a lot of wow it's a big donut yeah (laughs) you donut oh sorry that's part two and we had the dalek okay he shot some people on the floor above but then he just floats down and there's this one guy and so we have one guy representing the whole thing c does the same thing here over 2500 people worked in the london mi6 hq as of 2016 sure and we get to see some porters rolling the tardis by c has an assistant okay we we meet c's assistant wouldn't it be nice if we cared about the backward old bastard just a mite by seeing his assistant's you know trauma and upset well yeah that's true we should we sh- we should absolutely get that we should also have people breaking down the door because what i'm assuming should be a bulletproof window just got shattered yeah Th- it must have tripped so many alarms like th- this is fucking mi6 yeah. <laughs> this is crazy it's like oh no actually this happens all the time it's it's as though someone fired a gun through a window of a tesco like th- this is in <laughs> no way impressive <laughs> Well, so fine. Uh, well, not fine. Not fine. Not fine. Not fine. Not fine. But let's let's move on. Let's but, move but, on from this what I was travesty. Say is, is the bond equivalent, like you say, that the, your, the organization is rocked. You get more of a sense of this a spreading out through the wider organization, and from there to the 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 safety of planet Earth. With Doctor yeah. Who, because because it shows so few people on screen, it's always just like there's a dozen people at risk. When they talk about the whole universe being under threat, it goes from the 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 spies to the world to the universe, and there's no escalation or widening of anything. It's just like, well, there's there's only four people in the room. How how involved can I be? How yeah. invested? <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Would you have enjoyed a succeeding scene which would have seen, let's say, Doc and Team TARDIS possibly blamed for the death of C? Now they have to go on the run to, because they're the only sussos, they're the only people around. They go on the lam. Pe- now, secret agents, whichever secret agents are actually still alive an hour after them. Like uh, more of a Bondian, what, kind of a Timothy they, Dalton-esque vibe. What could have happened is the assistant could have been in the room. He could have seen everything. And he's with them. And in part two, he gets he gets killed, whatever. Okay. And then Barton pins the head of MI6's death on the fam. They have to go dark. And he does accuse them of some crime, doesn't he? Like, Yeah, I can't remember what it is he does. This Is is this part two as well? This is part two. It's so hard to keep these It's two. on top of the blatant Nat West ad. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Sponsored by Nat West. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember quite what, what he... I'll res- does he say responsible for the attack on MI6? Oh, maybe it is. Oh, my goodness. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Check the transcript. 
That is what I'm doing. Wanted, do not approach. Report any sighting to your local police. Oh, now you're wanted for hijacking. Hijacking a plane. Like, like the whole country needs to... No one gives a shit that? about that. No one gives a shit about that. And also, what is that random grandmum doing with an iPad on the street? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But anyway, I think killing the head of MI6 would be a much better crime yes. to pin on them. Yes. And that it would ties be a- it all back. And everyone would be aware of it. Everyone would know that that had just happened. Although oh. MI6 wouldn't want it to get out, so they uh, absolutely no. But like, yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, hang on. <laughs> let's move on. So we've we've touched upon two other characters, and yes. I want to dig really, really deep into both of them. We've got both O and Barton. Daniel your pick. Barton. Okay. Which one do you want to start with? The second national treasure in the episode this week is yeah. Lenny Henry, or well, hey. his full name, Sir Elmore Leonard Henry. Nice. How do you think he did? I think he did really well in part two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think he did exactly the same in part one and part two. Oh, oh, I totally disagree. I want to hear your version of events. Okay, yeah, likewise. So I think, I mean, his acting chops will not have changed between these two episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think the direction of these two episodes is what's changed. And I'm not 100% sure, but I... F- Can we double check this, actually? They are directed by two different people. Bingo. Spyfall, part one, written by Chris Chibnall, was directed by Jamie Magnus Stone. Right, okay. Part two, spoilers, was directed by <laughs> Lee Haven Jones. Okay, so I think I think it's a combination of two different things. First off, I think his part is abysmally written in part one. As in his character is abysmally written in part one. Right. And secondly, I think the direction of him and every other character surrounding him in any scene is abysmal in part one. And ah. fortunately, there are very few such scenes in part two, so I can't really, ne- I can't necessarily point any blame or whatever, or send accolades uh, in parts in part two. But here, okay, take the introduction scene. The okay. introduction scene. He shows up. It's the most awkward scene ever between him, Logan. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. The assistant, as in his assistant, Yaz is there. Yes. It, it's it, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. Oh, it, it very much is. I mean, I get that the meeting might be awkward, but I, I don't get why we have to feel so awkward as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Like, do we not have script editors anymore? There is a step missing in the creation and the crafting of this one scene. And it's either someone going over the script or I think most likely someone uh, realizing, let's say on the directing side, you know what? The script is just what it is. We can't do anything about it. That's what we have to work with. Now, please, (laughs) you know how to act. You need to deliver it this way, blah, 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 blah. Well, we assume you know how to act. Yeah, and then looking at the other three people in the room, you guys, you're still working on your acting, okay? So this is how I would like you to wibble and wobble. And it's just every single aspect of that scene is cringeworthy, not just because the the lines that they're delivering are cringeworthy in themselves, but because no one convinces me that what they're doing is anything but a parody act. And that includes Lenny Henry, unfortunately. And there's another scene shortly thereafter, the one in his office, when like, what, you waited this long to look up these people on LinkedIn. And he's when he's going through the LinkedIn thing and he's having his little interview, also there, I just felt, this this is a guy who's so much better than this. See, I can believe that he waited until then as a pow- as a power play to be like, okay, I'm giving you this time. I'm going to let you know just how dependent on my say so you are by you have to you have to wait for me to give you the okay. Okay, you've 
you've come all the way here, but I can still send you away on a whim if you don't measure up to my specifications because I'm the big shot and you have to wait on my ascent. Oh, interesting. So he already knows who they are. He's already no, checked no, on them. Oh, I think he does this with everyone. But I he's let he's... them into his office, dude. This dude, this this guy, the photographer Logan, is taking pictures of him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it, it seems mm. like. <laughs> okay, so he has a security detail and they haven't done a background check then he lets them into the interview he's like oh. alright sit down let's have a, let's have this interview oh wait hang on before before you press record I'm gonna look up LinkedIn are you who you say you are what if they're not dude 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 <laughs> his security detail have done the work but he has CCTV on half the building half his own staff as Logan slash Ryan says this guy is a massive control freak he is going to double check everything anyone does this guy can't delegate this guy doesn't trust anyone in his employ to do a job as well as he can okay i mean this only leads me to the follow-up question in terms of how he handles his security why when (laughs) he has already invited them into his house yes why does he only then look at a piece of cctv of them having broken into his office and not act Mm. His, his act is to run away with a gun and fire out the passenger window. Yeah, it's utter shit. You know what, actually, this is now devolving into a conversation about the character of Barton rather than the actor Lenny Henry. Lenny Henry is is good. He's great, but I think he does a much better job in part two than in part I one. I don't think he is great or good. Okay, I think I he's think very charming. Uh, that is different. not the it's word different. I expected. Oh, really? Why? Because, he, for me, he is completely charmless. Wait, as an actor? As this actor in in this role he's portraying. This role? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Th- well, that's what I'm saying. That's, he is so much better than this. You see him on screen and you feel like, why? Why is I'll this happening? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Oh, what is it? It's not necessarily the writing, although that obviously plays a part. And I want to return to that first scene awkwardly on the stairs to be like, why, when you only have one chance to make a good first impression, do you say to these people... Yeah, I bite. I sacked half my staff over this. I'm a ruthless bastard. Now, write me up. That's such (laughs) shit writing. That is utter garbage writing. Yeah, absolutely. And I I get that I myself argued a minute ago that he is trying to act out a power play with these people and say, yeah, I'm at the big shot. I'm the big leagues. What I say goes, I have the power to begin and end people's careers at my fingertips. I can make or break... Whole countries, whole American towns. Yeah. Okay. Look at, look at my power. But okay, so I'll, I'll move on from that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go for it. I think we know that Lenny Henry is the architect of comic relief or the mainstay of comic relief, and typically he has a fiery, wacky persona. He's always one step away from doing a great big loud laugh and breaking into a, a broad Jamaican accent to portray his mum. Or something. And, and he's lovable and everybody likes him. Here, in an attempt to play against type in capital letters, yeah. he nullifies all of that. And I well, think... Well, he's a Bond villain. He is a Bond villain. But Bond villains, as you say, can be charming. They can have charisma. They can be magnetic. Here, I think he was just like, I'm going to pitch it here. I'm going to show people a completely different character to what I've shown them before. And he did it in a really one-note way. Like, I, I think he delivered every single line the in exact same way throughout all two hours. A very interesting point, and I can agree with it almost, not quite, but almost entirely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And there's... So take this as an example. In part one, he is very much the sort of 
ruthless corporate head. That's all he does. Un until he suddenly wields a gun and it's just utterly bonkers off the chain bullshit. <laughs> and we need to talk about that. Yeah. But in part two, we get that scene with his mum. And doesn't isn't that scene much more interesting? Doesn't that hint at such an interesting character? By the way, it's not in the writing. Where is that character? I want to learn more about this weird dynamic he has with his mum. But that's in part two. Part, part two, part two. But isn't if you compare those two renditions, those two examples of the exact same, those two views of the exact same character, isn't part two much more interesting, much more versatile I than think part it, one? I think it brings in the element of the character's backstory and the temporal element, how he developed, what motivated his sociopathy, his difficult relationship with his mum. But I feel like he delivers it in the same almost monotone, just he's slightly peeved at everybody. Every single person, he's a bit peeved at the master when he's called out of the plane. He's a bit peeved at his assistant. He's a bit peeved at the interviewing questions Yaz gives him. He's a bit peeved at the doctor when she confronts him with her own interrogation at the party. And he's also just a bit peeved at his mum. He's like, mum, I've tried. It, a Bond <laughs> villain should rise above frigging peevishness. Yeah, but he has also zip-tied his mum to a chair in an empty warehouse and he's about to reformat her DNA. Yeah. Spoilers. I'm not saying he's not incredibly evil. I'm saying his performance for me matched none of the circumstantial evidence. I guess the reading that I take from this is that when he seems nonplussed in talking to his mum, who yeah. is zip-tied to a chair and uh -huh. whom he is about to kill and or replace with an idiot. won't give him anything. Exactly. <laughs> well done, Barton's mum. Brava. The fact that he is nonplussed, to me, kind of emphasises the evil. It really, It really isn't a big deal to him. And by the way, this woman apparently is like a horrible mum. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, she must be. Absolutely must be. Okay. Yeah, anyway, more about that in part two. Yes. The, the character of Barton, can we talk about, it, we'll get to the master at some point, but can we talk about Barton and and the, what do they call the Kasavan? Yes. I mean, I guess my question is what? Mm. I brought this up in our original review, very similar to the Charles Dickens episode. The Unquiet Dead. That's the one. Very similar plot. Aliens from a different dimension want to come here, take over all of our bodies, and they're gonna they're just gonna do that. So we're we're, we're gonna be vessels for their energy, their spirits, whatever. Same deal here. How does Barton factor what? How does Barton factor into this? I can only assume that his contempt for humanity is such that he's grown entirely tired of us. He's he's above us. He has all our data. He knows that there's really nothing to the vast majority of the human race. We're all just dealing in trivialities. And he's like, I'm I'm sick of this. I've I've grown to loathe my entire purpose for for getting into this was was to connect people with data and look what they did with it. Look how awful all the data on people are. I love data as an abstract concept more than the people that create it. So the only way to make this work is to make people data repositories themselves. Why do the Kasavin need any of the data on us? Once they've replaced us, all of the intel that they've gathered is no longer relevant because we no longer exist. 
All they need is like, how many phones are there and where are they? Great, done. Yeah. How do you build a computer? How how do you store data on a I don't know a really efficient SSD? Whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, exactly. You maybe you want to find out about hard drives in this dimension. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to learn anything about calculators in the 19th century, and you don't need to learn, like that doesn't help you. <laughs> What we're going to do is uh, we're going to turn humans into abacuses. And <laughs> yeah. No, you don't need this. This entire plan is absolutely bonkers, and I don't understand why Barton is in the middle of it. It's almost as though he's enabling it. And what, why is he doing that? And, and why would they need him to? This is all very part two-y. Fair enough. Why don't we just say to be continued? Okay, get back to that in, a, in an hour and a half or so. Fine. Shall we talk master instead? Let's. Okay. Are we to believe that the master spent a lifetime building a career as Fox Mulder, only to then <laughs> kill Doc in an instant? Apparently, that is the pill we are being asked to swallow <laughs> this week. Uh-huh. Because the master apparently, judging from their behaviour across the two episodes, yeah. only cares about getting one over on the Doctor in some way. Doesn't really care about how long it takes to do that or whether that results in the doctor's immediate death or just knowing less than the master like whatever there is some form of game in the master's head where as long as he's one and the doctor's nil that's all that counts that's all the master lives for and maybe obliterating the human race and taking over the earth but he is also quite deliberately trying to kill her Oh, and in yes. fact, he thinks that he has killed her on a number of occasions. Yep. Throughout part one. Yeah. And in part two. Mm. He spent a long time leading up to absolutely nothing. Well, he can live with the eternal satisfaction that the Doctor's finally dead. He doesn't care how he gets that thrill. Just okay, fine. Can... Question for you then. Why did he shoot C and not Doc? Well, especially as he's such a dead shot with a Mozafarian laser rifle or whatever it is. Yeah. And she's right next to C. Shoot her. Yeah. Well, I think he tries. They start spraying shots in through the window, just like dozens are flying around the room. Okay, I don't know how they don't yeah. hit anyone. I'm not going to defend that. Okay. <laughs> don't make me defend <laughs> Fine. How do you think Sasha Dewan does? And what do you think of the... I mean, it's really only the reveal, isn't it? How do you feel about that? It's tricky because the reveal of the master is structurally very good. Okay, it's much like the reveal of the master in World Enough and Time at the very end of Series 10. He spends... Mm. 55 minutes of the episode in disguise yeah. reveals his true self, his true identity in the very last act. True, yeah. So not exactly original, but the, what original element there is is that it happens eight episodes early here. We, I, I didn't see this coming. I think Doctor Who kept this secret, right? This was a surprise to oh, all who witnessed it on New Year's Day 2020. And he is officially credited as O. Yeah. Yeah, which, which is, yeah, awesome. Yeah. I also didn't see it coming. There it's were a fantastic no reveal. clues beforehand. No, it's a great reveal. Yeah, it is. Except. Oh, here we go. Except it comes on the back of the Doctor calling the Master out on information that we haven't heard about to this point. Oh, wait, hang on, example. They are running to get on the plane, and the Master, <laughs> oh, <laughs> says... Oh, sorry. I nearly didn't make it on the oh, plane. Bit, I was yeah, the yeah. last one in every race at school. And the doctor says, Nah, you were a champion sprinter. Which is like, A, why would you put that in your bio? That's all the, that you're going to that's do the is. the most have, pathetic CV ever. Well, yeah. All you're going to do is have your interviewer ask, How fast? Let's have a race. Like, <laughs> like, 
you're gonna love company sports day like yes you'll be my you'll be my champion i don't know why this has taken on some weird patron client relationship but let's roll with it it's only inviting future problems and it could have been anything that the doctor says wait a minute that doesn't tally with your file he could have said anything at that moment it it's so simple and basic and hasn't been set up before yeah there's no way for us to realize what's going on or to to try to solve the problem ourselves isn't that the beauty of we both in the last week or so have seen see how they run yeah the film yeah and the quality great of, film by the way watch it podcast land yeah the quality of the uh, the mystery the who done it is it hinges on oh this character has been there since the beginning i've been fed two or three clues that are, and knives out equally that any who done it yeah any, any who done it yeah yeah that, this is these are not spoilers podcast yeah. land by the way character's been there since the beginning there are two or three clues that had i known how they fit together i could have deduced it if i hadn't been distracted by falling for the film's misdirects and other characters and what seems to be more relevant and pertinent at the time here that is absolutely impossible because you introduce this information five seconds before the master goes oh got me oh doctor you're so clever we didn't have a chance to be clever in that situation yeah we were denied that and in a spy film i feel like you could give us a chance yeah i uh, agree I, I would maybe argue that there's a difference between spy and detective genres Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree with you we didn't get a chance aside from a few master line drops like we're looking who's the spy master but that doesn't mean that he's the fucking master it just means that the master is part of this and uh, yeah and and by all accounts i mean he's introduced as this friend of doc's she knows him she's met him before we've never met this person ever oh yeah she brings him up completely out of the blue the horizon watcher yeah in the interview with c at the beginning yeah that's yeah i mean that's really what kind of ticks me off about this whole thing like we're retrospectively building all of the clues into this but because we weren't there to to see all the times that she's met him in the past i mean or the one time or whatever we have we've never heard of him in the past therefore we are incapable of solving the conundrum of who he is in the present yeah and that that's underwhelming unfortunately yeah. and so asking us to credit you with good writing when the introduction and setup has been lazy and clumsy and rushed that's yeah. not gonna meet with the positive response yeah unfortunately and also the way that the what is it the outback shack is flying alongside the aeroplane, uh-huh. much like Clara's diner is flying away oh, at yeah. the very end yeah, yeah, yeah. of her goodbye with me. The, the, the visual echo is like, that's what you're calling back to? No, stop it at once. I, uh, it just So that sort of overwhelmed it for me. And, and then I was looking for negatives. And then he does his Anne Robinson wink and his eyelids lose all control. And I'm like, oh, this is the master now. He goes a bit wonky. So it's underwhelming. Yeah. I mean, I... No. Hmm. You know what? I think this is... Uh, uh, <laughs> th- this is probably more a part two thing, but the master here, Sasha Dewan, has chosen to, or maybe been told to, I don't know, to play the master as an utter fucking psychotic. Yes. 
comparing that to any prior master, this this feels like a bit of a departure. Really? Uh, even John Sim? Yeah, like, I think so. I John think... Sim was pretty manic and psychotic. Yeah, do, 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 do you, don't you think that Sasha Dewan is even more evil, even darker, even just like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to fucking minimize you and minimize you, part two, part two, we'll get to that. But, like, I mean, don't you yeah. find that he's even more psychotic and homicidal and insane? Well, definitely he will have watched John Sim and Missy, and he'd have been like, oh, okay. I've got to outdo yeah. some of their ticks and shtick. Yeah, I mean, of those three, Missy's still my favorite. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and if we throw Delgado into the mix, Delgado's not my favorite. <laughs> <clears throat> All of this isn't to say yeah. that I didn't like Sasha Dewan. I liked him as O. Yes, yes. Oh, I I love this. Marie brought this up in our original review, that she really, really liked him as the good guy. And... <laughs> And oh my goodness, I can I can so relate to that. Yeah, yeah. He was very competent. He was engaging. He played the part of a Doctor Who accomplice of the week, right? Very well. Yeah. He could have had O been a good guy. He could have been the new Osgood. Oh, that's perfect. Yes, make him Osgood. Yeah, make O's good for it instead <laughs> of O's bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess more about the Master in Part 2, but yeah, solid stuff. Do you want to talk about the massive set piece, the car chase? Oh, yes, let's. You don't sound like you're going to tell me you've been overwhelmed. No, no, that was... I mean, I don't want to repeat myself from the previous time, but I don't understand why Barton's doing all the shooting. Yeah. I don't understand why he leaves his party to make this happen. I don't understand why they're at the party in the first place. I don't understand why there's a really naff car chase. Why are there motorbikes there and they're on the motorbikes? There has to be a car chase because Bond. Because Bond. Uh, that's, that's a fair answer. And yeah. the car chase has to be staged on 100th the budget of a James Bond film. That's true. Yeah. So I am prepared for it not to match a James Bond film in terms of kineticism and helicopter shots, although there are some shots from above, and the sheer cinematicness of it. Yeah, that you're, you make a very good point there. But okay, so how about this then? If we go into a production knowing that we will never be able to match Skyfall or whatever else, it won't be an actual Bond car chase why don't we just take the element of a car chase or the element of a motorbike chase and we make it a doctor who chase and that we do have production value for take for example matt smith riding a motorbike up the shard like wasn't that yeah. so much more dynamic in the than, bells of st john yeah isn't that so much more dynamic than them riding motorbikes down through a, a vineyard here definitely that is exactly what sprang to mind i knew what you were going to suggest even before you finished your sentence not that i had thought of it beforehand but that is absolutely where you should have gone or on some variation of that instead what you get is some shots of some bikes riding very safely about 25 miles an hour i would suggest yeah road by stunt then you get the bentley squirming around as as much as it can they probably they probably used a bentley because it would squirm at those such low speeds whereas a supercar would be hugging them and then all the other shots are shots from below looking up at the pairs on each motorcycle with all that pew, 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 bullets firing <laughs> off. Yeah. Added in post. Yeah. 
off the frame. But what I noticed was the w- the way you look up, the front wheel of the motorbike is is held just below camera, just below the shot. Because they're on a van. Yeah, because the yeah. front wheels are not turning. They are just on a trailer yeah, being that's dragged that's along. What, sorry, that's the word I'm looking for, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit too obvious. But that's also where, I mean, you make a super good point. They don't have the budget. This is a fragment of the budget that you would normally need for this kind of scene. So, yeah, yeah, I get it. And, yeah. The budget thing is more forgivable than Daniel Barton three minutes earlier having told Doctor Who my security detail will take care of you for me. Yeah, where is this detail? They are nowhere to be seen. And then, and then, your mind goes to, that looks cheap and Barton, what an idiot. It actually leads you to overlook the worst thing about this chase, which is there is no resolution to the chase. You cut from the vineyard to the airport. They arrive at the airport. Daniel Barton knows that he hasn't felled any of his pursuers. He just gets on a plane. Well, he doesn't even get on a plane. He... He's driven into the airport. How, how the motorbikes aren't stopped by the perimeter security, I have zero idea. Oh, good point. And yeah. then he's just walking through the hangar. If he were, if the Bentley shot uh, shot across the tarmac, screeched to a halt by by the cockpit steps, and he runs up them, and he's in the cockpit, and he takes off like that. I could forgive that. But no, he's just sauntering over to whoever's in charge with nary a backward glance. <laughs> yeah. And they all have time to park and scuttle up behind him, Vord scuttling, and he just doesn't care. He's forgotten that he was just shooting at people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I'm not claiming that it's ideal. <laughs> <laughs> but that that is actually, yeah. The nadir for me. Yeah. What do you think of the aliens, the uh, the meeples of angelic light? <laughs> I completely understand why I thought of Vord the first time around. Uh-huh. I mean, they really look like Vord. They look like the silhouettes of, of Vord. Uh, the fact that they are perfectly white, just white light, could, it could so nicely have then been cut across to them just going full black and then they're wearing the full black Vord outfits. Yeah. It would have been very nice. The company's called Vor and so on and so forth. Oh, um, of course. Yeah, that might be that might be a nod. I mean, it might be a nod, but then why not go full Vord? There's there's some absolutely dreadful Vord hiding in all in in both of these episodes. Yep, and there is. yeah, but well, regardless, I don't feel that we really get to know them particularly well. We understand what their objective is, but we don't understand what their motive is, and we don't understand what that brain forest is or how that factors into any of it. Don't really get how they're transporting people. Sometimes they seem to want to transport people around. Why Why do they take Yaz? Oh, that isn't explained. Why do they... Maybe this is in part two. Yeah, this is in part two. Why do they take Doc out of the forest? Like, they, 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 Lots of things just don't add up to me. Well, I think because they're origin their source is this extra universal space yeah they are having trouble projecting into our universe they never achieve a stable form in our universe this is not what they look like they say they choose that form to mock us but in reality they haven't been able to stabilize in our universe we don't know what they look like so they are projecting from one to the other and in the act of that projecting they can be used as gateways okay yeah and maybe they can't help themselves being used as gateways that's not their intention that's just the function of their inability to inhabit our 
dimensional plane as of yet yeah so i think that answers some of it but how one leaving the box needs yaz to take his place they do a swapsie that's a completely ad hoc agreed yeah yeah that didn't add up for me at all and that set up a very annoying runner of ryan ryan's baseless useless promises of yeah i'll I'll never let you die i'll never let that happen to you and i think that's when yaz turned her back on men when she realized they were full of toxic masculinity leading them to make pledges that they could never honor i let's we forget ryan is the dude who just leaves team tardis later on yeah he just goes oh fuck it yes you can continue traveling it's not like i've made a pleasure no 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 no. everyone shut up shut up shut up shut up up. i'm gonna leave now i'm gonna leave Yeah, but but spoilers. Part two rolls around, and Yaz is being electrocuted up her arms, and Ryan is Ryan isn't like I'll go over there and do something about that. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> oh whoops, I hope she doesn't remember. <laughs> She'll be dead in a moment anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yep, Graham didn't hear it, so we're cool. Hey aliens, could you reformat that part of her brain? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the meeples, yeah, obviously a super cheap effect, yeah, with some backlighting. But I thought that they were deployed in a number of different ways, and I thought that was very nice. I, when they appeared in all the windows, over the, yeah, the wall yes, buildings, yes, that's great. Yes, yeah. ping, 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 and yeah, and Ryan's just looking out there, being just boggling, like, oh shit, this is way bigger yeah. than I can deal with. Okay, question for you: Do you feel like maybe they deploy too many of their ranks in certain situations? Like he's down by a, I want to say a petrol station or something, and then there are just forty of them in a building looking at him. Why? Yeah, that they're is- in a different dimension. Yeah, and this isn't really typical spy behavior. These alien no. spies are balls. Yeah, it, I mean, if it's a dark evening and you are an undercover spy, oh do you, goodness. A, dress up as a <laughs> flashlight or, or do you do literally anything else? Oh my goodness, and this is this is in the middle of a tech district where, as you know, people will be working late. Yeah. People will be working 996, <laughs> 24-7, like the whole time people are trying to get ahead yeah (laughs) so many people will see that oh for goodness sake and also i thought it was a burn on ryan how the kasavin appears in barton's office yeah identifies yaz as an obstacle takes her up transports her to the brain forest he's there and he's like so what about me and they're just like uh, I don't know. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your, your contract is running up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can <laughs> escape out. if you like, but honestly, we've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are 40 of us just enjoying the view right now. <laughs> <laughs> what about the brain forest then? What's, what, what is that? That's just unexplained. That is just a space outside of our universe where these people are from, and that's the beginning and end of it. The long and the short. Yeah, okay. Would you describe it as nothingness? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would be surprised if it were oxygenated. Apparently it is. Well, apparently it is, yeah. Well, yeah, why wouldn't it be? Sure. It's uh, not like they're... Well, yeah, no, they're a different generation. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's it's not It's a completely ask. different universe, There's different no molecules, different physics. No, absolutely, no, it's fine. fine. Yaz, Doc, Ada Lovelace, they all need to survive in there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, so so they, they're in a different dimension, but they subsist on oxygen. doesn't matter. But if you were to go there, would you then not come back and go, yeah, it looked kind of like a forest, but like sparkly? <laughs> I mean, I would, but but I did actually like Mandip Gill's performance. Yeah, like she looked more scared than usual. She oh, came back and she had traumatized. Been, yeah, she had seen some things. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily the things we saw, <laughs> but she okay. She'd felt some things. Like I don't know. It, Absolutely, it, that place had a bad vibe. 
and and she got to express that and that is more than we have seen yaz do throughout eight of ten episodes of series 11 so i was all for that sure i'm picking up what you're putting down can i bring up a this is both a missed opportunity and something that i thought was going to lead in a completely different direction Uh uh there is a scene this is post yaz in the brain forest they are in i guess this is in the outback doc is she just says like oh i've i've just been searching for any data i'm not going to do the accent fuck it i'm going to do the accent i've i've just been searching for any data oh don't worry about it gang like i'm just de- it's just decrypting running about 90 billion languages at the same time yeah yeah which is a cringe 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 and she said the r- way that she is trying to do the way that she's capable of doing this is that she has patched whatever it is into the tardis yeah and i thought right this is what the master has wanted all along. Because at this point, I, I do remember that Sasha Dewan is going to come out as the master. Yeah. And I figured this is what he's wanted all along. He wants her to plug in to her, into her TARDIS and, you know, punch in her passwords so he doesn't have to hack into it or anything. And now he actually, she has given him access to the greatest data bank. This is an episode about personal data. Right. She has given him access to the greatest data bank in the universe. Oh, very tasty. But no, no. So I felt, in in hindsight, missed opportunity. Yeah. Though it would have required a bit of a rewrite. And total misdirect. Yeah, and, and that scene is also annoying for... I'm just decrypting. I'm running about all the possible languages I can think of. Oh, it didn't match any of them. Oh, wait, what if I try all the other possible languages? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, we're tight on time. <laughs> I mean... You cut bits from the introduction of Daniel Barton, but you kept this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've checked against every known language and there's no match. Ah, wait. What if there are other languages in the universe? Like, <sighs> yep. <laughs> crying out loud. Okay. All right. I'm going to pong your ping. Do it. The in five seconds, die, 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 die scene. Yep. A, someone has been watching Sherlock. Oh, yes. Yes, you're <laughs> right. struck me as very Chibber's Sherlock parody-esque. Yeah, nice. B, if you're trying to kill them, why do you reverse the car up the middle of the road? Pick a lane, buddy. <laughs> as with the Dalek last time, pick a lane and stick with it. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is a good point. And I mean, he's trying to throw them all the way off the... Uh, it's like this basically speed isn't it like he they're on a motorway and at some point a chunk of it is missing yeah somehow yeah for whatever reason yeah but it's fine <laughs> someone's put like five traffic cones in the way so it's okay it's all safe <laughs> with reflectors on oh oh wait I'm, i retract all of my criticism belts and braces <laughs> And, my... and at the bottom, there's a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> my question is this. Uh-huh. If you were just to just hold a mirror up in front of a Dalek, a simple reflective surface, I need a reflective surface. Yeah. This energy pulse has just scorched this guy's head off. <laughs> and the doctor's like, give me your phone. Did you just hold up a mobile phone with the mirror app on and that's, <laughs> that's good enough to stop every It goes into the camera, the out the screen. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. It's like, 
What? Yeah. Is the beam exactly the size of that mirror as well? I didn't think so. I Does thought... it hit exactly? It seemed bigger. Yeah. Like I thought the doctor might get the little singe marks on her fingertips. That they're very. She no very, longer very has based. arms. No. <laughs> <laughs> also, wait. Hang on. Is there a roof in this in this car? Like how this thing fires through the driver? It doesn't blow up the car. No, I think it leaves a bit of a mark on the headrest. Is the wait, is the is the driver now gone? Is he just is all of him evaporated? He's vaporized, I believe. Evaporated, vaporized is the word. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, oh. that wasn't that wasn't me being like. Actually, I think you'll find the word is vaporized. I. I no, but that's true. <laughs> yeah. In summary. Yeah. Well, I mean, that entire scene is kind of absolutely. I, I mean, mostly, I think it's because what if it had been successful? Yeah. Yeah. W- wouldn't that be such a letdown for Sasha Dewan's master? Wouldn't he then go? Oh, fiddle bum. I've spent 17 years at MI6. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm married. I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing my victory speech yeah. for a decade. I'm in a fucking choir group on Thursdays. <laughs> 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 All for the sake of an alibi that I've never gotten to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's crap. That's really crap. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Ping. So, another missed opportunity. Oh, yeah. Just picture the visual. Okay. You know the James Bond visual after the cold open, the the dots, the go. Exactly. Exactly. And that then fades into the opening credits. How about that circle is the vortex that we see at the start of the Doctor Who credits, of the current credits? And it doesn't have to be someone walking into a circle, but you yeah. could have the end, either either this is how you fade into the credits, or the end of the credits is that ends up being just a circle, and then in that very, very stilted way that you get in at least the early Bond films, like Goldfinger, Doctor No Goldfinger, whatever, From Russia With Love, you, you have it just like click, 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 click into the corner and then just expand into the next shot. Isn't that just a missed opportunity? You've got something yes. that's round in the middle of the screen. Use it. I can only assume Eon Productions have copyrighted that in some way. Oh, that's possible. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. Pong. Okay. I think Yaz is commended at some point in this for her great interview that she did with Daniel Barton. And what? Well, exactly. <laughs> There's um, no interview. There is no interview. There are a bunch of obvious questions. And then the real killer where she goes for the jugular is all of which you've been accused of ignoring. Haven't you? Haven't you? That, that <laughs> haven't you really ticked me off. Like, I've got one over on you. Fuck face. Like, <laughs> I mean, he could chuck you out any second. Yeah. Out the window. Yeah. You think you think this is how they do it? <laughs> Chibbers? Also, she's not really there to conduct an interview. She's there to just be in his office and have Ryan, I guess, take a picture of his keycard. Yeah. She doesn't have to do anything. No, she could be there for a puff piece. Yeah, exactly. Surely, like, if anything, the objective of this interview should be to have it last as long as possible. Absolutely. Dilate. Exactly. Let him get comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask for a drink. Ask for a second drink while Ryan is snip snapping away. Yeah. <sighs> How do they end up staying in his office? They just mill around, don't they? Oh, Ryan, he copies 
copies the key card. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe they to go get into find the office. a coffee house and they come right back in the building hours later. Oh, I see. Oh, maybe, yeah. Why they think Daniel Barton's come back, why they think there are now two Daniel Bartons and that's fine. Yeah, this uh, system is, n- is flawed. <laughs> it's yeah. very flawed. I don't know. Yeah. But I was going to say that it's exactly the same terrible interrogation strategy as the doctor's. Oh, yeah? The doctor, twice in but part one of this double feature, is asking question after question after question. First of the Kasavin in the box. Who are you? How many of you are there? What are you doing here? What do you want with spies? Blah, 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 blah. Where are you from? And finally that gets an answer. And she does the exact same thing with Daniel Barton later on. How long have they been here? Where are they from? Who recruited whom? Are you running them? Are they running you? Why is your DNA 7% non-human? And he doesn't answer any of that. But he just keeps firing questions at these non-interlocutors. And that equally is... It just strikes me as so dumb and simplistic and imbecilic. And it's just like you're giving away your entire hand. Yes. Also, you're telling them exactly how much they know. Yeah. Or how much you know, rather. You're telling them exactly how much you know. Yeah. This is where the part two bit would come into play, where someone should just go, Doc, stop telling him the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like Ryan did. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Ping? Yeah. Basketball game. Go on then, ping me. What the shit? Basketball (laughs) game. I mean, that's enough for me. You, you've you carried that debate. I feel like we already talked about this. Did we talk about this in B065? A bit. Okay, I mean, yeah. How how clumsy and oafish this addition is. Like, Ryan, you, I'm your best mate, and uh, I haven't seen you in ages. And uh, I mean, it, it's all setting up what's happened to the fam over whatever interim has mean wild since last we saw them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it could it could have been a bit less obvious. It's it's so incredibly in your face. It's also really trying to backtrack and and correct the dyspraxia element of his character. As in, everyone, please be aware he has dyspraxia. Oh, I see. <laughs> you know, yeah. as opposed to all of the stories that we've had to date where that has absolutely not factored into this at all. Yeah. So there's that. There's, I mean, the clearly he doesn't have friends and no. also like why would he play basketball with a jacket on top of a shirt on top of a t-shirt on top <laughs> over jeans dude it's cold up north in sheffield no everyone else is dressed for a basketball game he's there dressed in what he's going to wear the rest of the double feature <laughs> oh with the exception <laughs> with the exception of the james bondian party the casino party but aside from that that's why he's not in basketball gear and it's just such fucking lazy setup that's such a great spot I love that. And that that ties in with a bunch of other stuff. Like, how does this escape everybody involved in the production? Like, the actor themselves. And and this reminds me of, like, when Stephen Fry, as C, had to say, oh, at MI6, we've never countenanced the existence of aliens, to which three sister organizations have been devoted with much evidence over the last decade. Exactly. And Stephen Fry himself didn't say... Chris, this is bollocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It, it boggles the mind. Right. <sighs> okay, final pong. You in B065, and we ourselves in our review of The Doctor Falls, was like, John Sims said, I've shot you in a way that means you can't survive. Yeah. Moffat, you dick. Thanks for this present for the next showrunner. Yeah. What does he do with it? <laughs> and at time of Spyfall and instant reaction review, there was no answer. There was no canonical answer whatsoever. Well, I had a suggestion in that episode, and that was that this master precedes both of them. Yes, it was. Since then, yeah. Big Finish's 
series two of their Missy drama oh. has provided an answer. Oh, you're not going to like it. Oh, there, there is, because because you're backed into such a position by Stephen Moffat's writing. Perhaps it was impossible to resolve this conundrum. The resolution given is that as Missy was dying in the Doctor Falls, she activates some forbidden Time Lord technology. Oh, n- what? Yeah, I knew you'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> wait for it. Called, oh, wait for it. Okay. An Elysium field. Okay. El- Elysium. <laughs> An Elysium field. Right, yep. Which grants herself a new cycle of regenerations and avoids certain death while also purging herself of her darker qualities. But also at the same time, a, a, a duplicate Missy is sort of split off and it's given a different name. And in classic Missy fashion, she eventually makes this one kill itself, which, okay, that's a nice touch. Oh, okay. But I was going to say, maybe this is like in Rick and Morty when, when they go into the spa and the shit parts of themselves get split off and turned into alternate versions and Sasha Dewan is the like really mean version of Missy. <laughs> yeah, it's that's that's possible. That wasn't ruled out by the writer. So it, it, at the same time, it cheapens the classic master's ceaseless quest for new regenerations while what? allowing the character to return. Any Time Lord's quest for regenerations. Well, yeah, why, <laughs> why make this technology forbidden? Just allow them to regenerate all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you why, because it means that there's no tension left in the Doctor Who universe, yeah. and anyone can be Doctor Who for a week. I mean, yes, this is true. So maybe come up with something else, even if it is an audio drama, even if it's only pseudo-deutero-canonical. But it's so tricky. It's it's an obvious sort of place to go. Like, oh yeah, Time Lord tech, but it's forbidden. It's ancient Time Lord tech. Yeah, that's, And there's that's, this fun side effect of it. And if you focus hard enough on the side effect, maybe you'll go along with it. Yeah, that's that's a little on the lazy side, perhaps. Oh, we've got a Deus Ex Machina machine that just undoes the problem at hand. Yeah. No worries. They could have done other stuff there. I mean, this isn't a review of that audiobook that we haven't listened to. But, <laughs> but I mean, there, there are other things that they could have played with there. This happens on the ship, right? This happens on the ship with time dilation across floors yes yeah so maybe the regeneration energy at exactly where they are in relation to the no pun intended to the uh, event horizon means that she she has time to escape or to, like to still cling on to a little bit more of the regeneration oh energy oh my goodness you know like, there's there's so much more there that you can just play with that's shit but i mean you can no, do no. more with that what happens is this may equally be shit but this is top of the head stuff yeah uh, maybe i should have done this in the at the time in our review but john sim goes down in the lift he gets into his tardis out of there he regenerates he buggers off as missy missy somehow sends the whole ship towards the black hole and then anything is possible any sort of time mashup is possible once it's hitting the event horizon once half of it is over the event horizon once she is both sides of an event horizon maybe yeah then we don't even need an explanation cut to a year or two later the master returns or missy returns and the question of like oh wait how did this happen how is this possible then like yeah i went into a black hole enough said yeah death is a linear temporal event i flew outside of time all i saw in there was matthew mcconaughey and (laughs) (laughs) is this tenet (laughs) not tenet what's the other one what's the oh oh, interstellar yes that's the fella that's the christopher nolan film yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. right and the last thing the last observation yeah yeah 
Did you notice that when the Doctor is trying to defuse the bomb in the cockpit, the cockpit bomb, the Master says, as if that's some fantastic invention that he's come up with. <laughs> I quite like that, actually. Cockpit bomb, Doctor! <laughs> She's unable to do anything with it. It cuts away from the bomb at 0008. Uh-huh. Oh. You get a look at the Doctor. She's like, uh, 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 all flustered. It cuts back at 0006. So she's spe- 007. It has specifically... Yeah, either missed out 0007 or given her the role of 007. Yeah, I, I, I did not pick up on that at the time, but I like that. That's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, well done. And on that note, how about we rate this? Oh, please, let's. Oh! <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Podcast land, contemporaneous with the word let's, Leon applied the finger to the nose, and thus, here I go. This episode had lots in it to like. I know I haven't said anything so far, but give me a chance. (laughs) (laughs) And I would add, from the newly resurrected cold open onwards. Oh yeah? Gripe no more, sections of podcast land. It's back. I very much enjoyed the stilted spy code chap in the aeroplane. Is this wash bag yours? I just found it in the aisle. (laughs) Yes, my sister says I'm a dozy cow for doing this all the time. Thank you. Enjoy your flight. From there, I I was ready to love this episode. From that moment. (laughs) And the effect of the aliens emerging from the walls or the ceiling throughout with Queen Victoria's face or a British flag. Well, I don't know if it was stunning. It was fuzzy, but it it was fun. And Ryan being panicky as the photographer. Also, I found amusing. He even leaves the lens cap on when he takes the first picture of Barton. And yeah. <laughs> then he has to take it off without looking completely buffoonish. I liked that the TARDIS has boating lakes and karaoke buses. These are great things for the TARDIS to have. I hope we get to see some of them one day. And also, the sequence where the shack is under attack, I think, is some of the best material. Lights flicking on and off is so done to death in Doctor Who. But this scene, I thought, really added the sinister element back in. And I thought the actors sold it. They they gave the Aussie security pair just enough personality. I thought that scene as a whole worked. The, the peril, where was it coming from? What was going to happen? How could they possibly get out of it? Good stuff. However... Let's get back to the bad by <laughs> via. <laughs> I knew this wasn't going to be that positive. <laughs> via, I've complimented Mandip Gill's acting, where you see that Yaz has gone through some stuff, but she clearly comes from the school of acting where blinking means thinking. She is, <laughs> she is talking to Ryan and processing, and the, her eyes are. Well, I I can't I can't blink as quickly as her. It's she could be in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's it's pretty distracting. And I've always thought to myself, that's not something humans do. That is purely a a televisual cinematic trope passed down from bad actor to bad actor. And sorry, Mandip, you fell into the trap. And you've got C and the action staging, and like I said, aspects of the master reveal. It really needed to stick the landing on all those things or just tidy them up a bit. The shell with the human appearance 
Entirely underwhelming is a good thing. That doesn't require any visual effects. How am I supposed to be scared of someone who just looks like she's peacefully asleep? Yeah. Like, I wanted to see something was missing. Add some kind of effect where we can distinguish her from someone taking a nap. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not scary. But there were nice mysteries set up for part two. I thought when the episode cleaved closest to the James Bond shtick and did it well, I felt a tingle. So I'm going to give it a 2.9. Oh, a 2.9, you say? A 2.9, okay. I just said. All right. Interesting. Very good stuff. Okay. I, to lovely money, to two points that you brought up. Uh-huh. First off, that reformatted lady, that the, the lady who has zero human DNA left, yep. should she not just be a puddle? Like, should she just be a puddle of organic gloop? She should be anything except a regular-looking human. Yeah, exactly. Anything! Yeah, yeah. Okay, and the cold open, I think that's another James Bond pastiche. I think that's another homage to the genre of Bond movies where Ah. pre-opening credits, you get a little bit of a cold open. Yeah. I think think that's the only reason we got one here. And we don't get one in part two. Oh, we get a recap, though. We get a recap, yeah, that's true. We'll see. Well... Time after next. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Yeah, I've prepped much, much less than that. Here we go. So what I've said is, I've started with a doctor. Doc is occasionally exuberant enough to be endearing, I find. Yeah. I I think I have more of an opinion of her in part two. But yeah, so that is a positive. However... I'm so sorry about this, but usually, and this is part one perhaps specifically, but usually she just sort of reminds me that, no, acting is not just one of those things that anyone can pull off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I, I, I'm, I'm so sorry for saying that. I'm so sorry. Ryan, I, I, I'm. this is a very negative laden, minus column laden mini. I apologize. Ryan, he is truly awful in this one. Oh, yeah. wow. I'm so sorry. There is only one kind of nice scene I find, and that's the... Uh, taking pictures scene yeah that, that that's that's nice it's lovely but the rest he he's he's so bad i mean the logan stuff that kind of sets up that sets a level that's the bar for this episode and i don't feel that he ever goes over it unfortunately he's much better in part two he's great spoilers i find him much i find all of them much better in part two yaz occasionally convincing <laughs> graham decent enough However, I do feel that we don't really get that much of them in this in this episode. And that is true. Most of their sort of arcs is is pushed towards part two. One might even say it's kind of part two heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Sasha Dewan's master, absolutely psychotic so far. You know what? I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing where he takes this role. Production value, very high. Explosions, tons of CGI, cool locations. Sadly, however, as is often the case in a Chibber's joint, it's in lieu of a decent narrative. Still... He does manage to weave in a lot of spy tropes, which I appreciate, and the directing by what's-his-face, can't remember his name now, very, <laughs> very solid in the this-is-a-James-Bond-pastiche sense of it. I mean, we've already talked about yeah. this. Jamie Magnus Stone, thanks you. Well done. Wonderful balance of a loving fam reunion, that beginning bit of we're going to collect all of them, minus the basketball game, but still really, actually, really enjoyed the mechanic scene and all the chatter around that oh no i'm just i'm i'm what is it i'm uh, i'm just uh, draining the rainforest and i'm doing this with oh, the swimming yeah. pool I, I really like that it's a balance of that and that fun bon pastiche and hard tension not throughout but certainly through much of part one 
greatest asset, however, that one master scene and the reintroduction of the tissue compression device. We didn't talk about that. More about that in part two. Biggest flaw, not really that much that I can put my finger on, except maybe the writing and principal acting. Main takeaway, <laughs> Skyfall it ain't, but it sometimes encroaches on Doctor Who, I've said. And therefore, I've given it a rating of 3.2. Higher than me? What? Yeah. Honestly, from what you said, I expected 1.4. Sure. This is why I said this was a very minus column laden mini (laughs) review. But uh, we've already talked about a bunch of positive. We've talked about this episode for an hour and a flipping half. (laughs) Oh, I. (sighs) Yeah, 3.2. This love is now let's hear from podcast land. Max 250 or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron uh, writes, we've got five listener minis, and first out the gate, we've got Kieran Evans. Hello, Kieran. What's up, Kieran? Kieran says, hi, folks. Well, an action-packed pre-title sequence, not bad for the first of the Chibnall era. Yes, that's the first one. Either it's gone straight to titles, or there haven't been opening titles until now. In fact, Kieran continues, it is fairly action-packed as a whole, and therefore is more similar to Resolution in style than Series 11. While having Stephen Fry very briefly might annoy some that he was wasted... Yep. Yep. (laughs) I actually think he's a good match for the length of part. Him being in it longer would have annoyed me. Maybe. Lenny Henry as a Bond villain is kind of fun, to be frank. I think Yaz should have been in the weird realm for longer. But I suppose we need it to be clear for peril for the Doctor at the end. So Sasha Dwan as the master. It seems strange to comment on him as he is still the current version at the time of writing. He appears to be in the upcoming finale. But I feel first impressions are good for me. His deception as O is actually fairly well balanced with the odd moment which hints at something more, particularly in hindsight. It's a good cliffhanger moment, but we'll get to the resolution next time. Kieran does question Chibnall's use of Vore as the name of Barton's company. He might have wanted to have Googled that, or maybe not. <laughs> For me, enjoyable, but has some of the typical Chibnall-era issues. And Kieran gives this 3.8 out of 5 ghost spies. Adding a PS, I'd forgotten the Terence Dix dedication at the end. Masterful indeed. Oh, yes. Hats off, Uncle Terence. Thank you very much, Kieran. Thanks, Kieran. People who are not Kieran, please say hi to Kieran online. He can be found uh, where, Drew? At KJ Evans 2. That's right. Quick, we need to save the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kieran. Who's next? Why, next up, it's Daniel. Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. Perfect. (laughs) What's up, D-McG? What up, Daniel? (laughs) Daniel McGinn's For Your Eyes Only, a confessional. I like it already. (laughs) (laughs) My fandom is split between the world of James Bond and the Hooniverse. Sorry. Both are beloved to me. No problem here, Daniel. Yeah, no need to apologize. Good stuff. Anyone paying attention will know I have little regard for 13th era, so a 007 spoof, penned by the worst writer in New history, has the <clears throat> spectre hey. of a massive dumpster fire written all over it. Strap yourself in for some thoughts. First thought, Jodie seems more settled and gives a toned-down performance. A much less stressful watch without all the gesticulation and raving. <laughs> <laughs> nice, subtle nods to Bond musical cues throughout. Yes, particularly enjoyed the reference to John Barry's 007. What is the alien forest? Beats me. <laughs> and me. Am I the only one thinking it was hair on someone's head? Oh, nice. Hmm, interesting. Well, not for Yaz, earnestly describing it as nothingness, nowhere. Aren't police officers supposed to be trained in observation? (laughs) (laughs) Good point. 
fun fact, he continues, the Kasavin actor also was the voice of the face of Bo. I, I can buy that. I can, and it did sound familiar. I should have looked it up. Thank you for doing that for us, yeah, Daniel. Well done. Daniel continues, more Stephen Fry, please. And then the master reveal was great, especially after teasing the aliens being Cybermen a la Army of Ghosts. Ah, yes. Good to see the classic tropes. Disguise. Tissue compression. Yes. Wordplay on the name. Yes. Working with an alien race. Hooray! But will they inevitably betray him? They must! (laughs) (laughs) What a high-octane ending, says Daniel. Will they live to die another day? (laughs) The Doctor obviously will. With this story walking the tightrope of TV smashing apoplectic rage... Hopes were incredibly low, but, but, all caps, it's actually quite good. The Bond homage passed muster and with Dr. No Moralizing Lectures, it's only the best Whittaker story to date. Wow. Blimey, who saw that coming? Rating 3.8 out of 5. Holy smokes. Wow. The, uh, uh, Daniel, have you met Kieran? I'm the only one <laughs> sub three so far. I oh. can't believe it. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. People of Podcast Land who are not Daniel will be pleased to know that Daniel is available on Twitter. Is he? Daniel can be found at Daniel J. McGinley. That's right. (laughs) Thank you very much, Daniel. Who's next? Why, next up, it's G.B. Haynes. What up, G.P.? I said G. You say P. G. G. Flip. I, (laughs) I thought we were... Never mind. (laughs) gp begins hello lovely podcasters and listeners well part one of spy four was actually great i am increasingly out on a limb here okay the production and music was perfect (laughs) and one of the best reveals at the end for the master Mm. finally we get the master played actually quite terrifyingly and sasha dewan does a fantastic job I'm going out on a limb, oh weird, to say he's possibly the best actor since Delgado to play the master. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) What a shame his material often lets him down. Okay, so this episode is a 007 ripoff, says GP, but it's a pretty good one. Lenny Henry is great as the CEO of Google, sorry, I mean Vore, and Stephen Fry makes a great guest appearance. With the episode, I feel only really spoiled by some stupid antics by Graham and Ryan as they examine the gadgets. Oh, just wait for part two. (laughs) I quite like that scene, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Although the aliens aren't quite properly executed, with some of the juxtaposition of scenes feeling too disjointed... I felt they are another attempt by the producers to introduce us to new concepts and ideas for aliens. Points for that, even if it didn't quite work as well as it might have. Mm. I genuinely laughed out loud in the casino scene where the Doctor played Snap, and overall the story feels quite nicely paced and thrilling in parts. Agreed. The highlights were definitely some of the plain scenes, and that ending. And GP finishes, there is so much promise in this episode. What a shame it takes a turn for the worse very shortly. And GP gives this a rating of 4.3 dumb Australian Secret Service officers. Holy moly. Ah, oh, check out the big hot on you, GP. Thank you very much. People who are not GP, go to Insta and YouTube. Look for What Drew. 
at Finding G Spots. That's right. No hyphens or spaces for your convenience. <laughs> Just G Spots. <laughs> Thanks, GP. Who's next? Why, next up it's Tracy, Tracy from America. America. Hello, Tracy. Sup, Tracy. Tracy starts, okay, I guess we are spies now. <laughs> Let's talk about this episode. Things I liked. I've made iced tea, possibly. I also like yeah, that. Yeah, me too. That's yeah, nice yeah, yeah, yeah. The doc working on the TARDIS, like really getting her hands dirty. She looks so capable. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Tracy continues, end of the episode when we learn the master is involved. It makes total sense that lots of people around the doctor died pointlessly. The master's entire deal seems to be finding ways to kill people and pissing off the doctor. In general, yes, but in this episode, as discussed, not so sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, Tracy continues, things that burked me. (laughs) (laughs) Why is there such a bad mismatch between Yaz's description of the weird realm and how it actually looks? It's obviously drifting through a kelp forest near Cape Peninsula, South Africa. Oh, yes, obviously. I know it from one of my Apple screensavers. Oh, wow. So why does Yaz describe it as like nothingness? Baffling. Yeah, especially as the doctor would have wanted to know and solicited a description. Yeah. Oh, weird. Also, have you met Kieran? (laughs) Tracy's next book. It kind of annoys Tracy that Doc can't remember the last time the Master straight up stole someone's body. We totally have a classic Who precedent in Tremus. Yes, yes, that's true. Tracy goes on with other things. We have yet another unless from Doc. (gasps) Unless. (laughs) Uh. Yeah. (sighs) Oh, man, the rewatch of, oh, seeing the TARDIS for the first time, he calls it ridiculous. Of course he's being sincere, not trying to imply he is overwhelmed. He finds the redesign silly, and he can't help getting in a little dig at the Doctor. Absolutely tracks. Very nice. Yeah. Does Tracy give this a rating? She does of, oh, that's the master. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) People who are not Tracy, you can follow Tracy online. She can be found at... Yekatnyatnuf. That's Fountain Tracy. Backwards, almost. (laughs) Thanks so much, Tracy. (laughs) Thank you very much. Who's lost? (laughs) (laughs) Who's lost? It's, hey, Max (laughs) Morena. Hello, Maxwell. Hello, Maxwell. Maxwell says, Ooh, Series 12 is finally here. 12 must be a lucky number because this two-parter is the best of Jodie's era. The James Bond-like style of the episode was awesome. The Doctor working on the TARDIS is cool. Worst Uber ever. Oh, sorry. Worst Uber ever. (laughs) This is why Graham is kind of cool. Yeah. The navigation system used in this episode was a copied idea of Atmos. I had an upgrade. A good line. Nice. Humanity's at stake. We can rely on you. Of course you can rely on her. This episode is just one big jumbled mess. To introduce one kind of new character. Like, come on, it could be better. And we get another example of the Doctor underestimating the doors of the TARDIS. The Doctor has met, oh, once before. When and how? Why? So many questions. Yes. <laughs> Maxwell continues, the interview scene is intense. Spooky flashing lights time. I like the look of the green tentacle realm. It is something that I have never seen before. Oh, get an Apple screensaver. (laughs) Something about languages and then bingo. Wow, look how fast scripting has come. (laughs) (laughs) And to my utter disappointment, there is no New Zealand on the map. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. O's reaction to the TARDIS has me thinking that maybe his incarnation is sometime before John Sims. Ooh, I'd like to know why you think that. 
Music is an absolute jam as always when they are walking up to the party. Motorbikes with more cool music. The entirety of the plane scene is just an awesome masterpiece. And Maxwell gives this episode a 3.5 out of 5 motorbikes that the 11th Doctor makes anti-gravity to win a race. Whoa. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) What's that episode in the distance? (laughs) Excellent. Closer. Thank you very much, Maxwell. Good stuff. People who are not Maxwell, please do say hi to Maxwell online. Maxwell can be found at The True. Misty. (laughs) Not the true foggy. Not the true clear. Misty. Just right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much, Maxwell. Bing Bong, future Leon here with one more Listener Mini. Yes, that's right. We received a sixth Listener Mini. Whoop, 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 whoop. This one comes from Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Hello, Michael. Michael has sent across a list of likes and a list of boofs. And his list of likes goes as follows. Cliché Bond stuff was half fun. Agreed. Crazy light monsters, albeit rendered forgettable by the cliffhanger. Stephen Fry's death was a shocker. Yes, I don't know if that's a like, but okay. And last like, that twist. And the return of the master's tissue compressor thing. Yuck. Agreed. Here is the section. This master, discuss. One, I was hoping for more teasers on second viewing. Beside the odd mad-eyed glint, there's not much. Compared to the entire season of lead-in for Missy and entire season's lead-in for John Sim. Two, is another crazy giggling nutjob Looney Tunes master really what we need? I wanted a Delgado. Yes, thank you. Don't we all? (laughs) A quietly calm, sophisticated megalomaniac who would enjoy a cheeky cognac with you and then cut your throat for the hell of it. Lovely. Yeah, actually, that sounds fantastic. (laughs) Uh, And Michael gives this a rating of 2.8 out of 5 of Her Majesty's Finest Shrunken to Tiny Hornby Railway People. Awesome. Thank you very much, Michael. People who are not Michael can say hello to Michael online. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. Excellent stuff. All right. Back to the show. Bing bong. Thank you very much, everyone who sent in a mini for this episode. Super. Oh, yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I feel actually in hindsight now, <laughs> we've we've really torn this apart <laughs> over the past uh, almost two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not often I'm bottom of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you worry because there's more who coming up and more opportunities for us to, to show off our huge hearts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Next up, we're going to have a classic who episode in Revelation of the Daleks. But after that, we are coming up with... Spyfall, part two. To be recorded in approximately 10 minutes. <laughs> At some point, we've got an audio who review as well. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be the gathering. Let's face it, it's going to be the gathering. <laughs> yep. And a bonus somewhere down the pipeline is new to Who Back When. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or alternatively, new to Who Back When. <laughs> Equally possible. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it's going to be titled yet. In the meantime, you can say hello to us on Twitter. Drew, where can you be found? I can be found at Drew Back When. Excellent branding. Thanks very much. How about you? I can be found at Ponkin. Until the next time, thank you so much again. You've been a lovely audience. Rock on. Be rad and excellent to each other. And cha-chao. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! 
Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?